Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Tonight in Philippians, if you want to turn to Philippians chapter 1, you can, while we're getting ready here. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. But I have the top 10 predictions no matter who wins the election. The Bible still has all the answers, number one. Number two, prayer will still work. Number three, the Holy Spirit will still move. Number four, God will still inhabit the praises of his people. Number five, there will still be God-anointed preaching. Number six, God will still be singing, or uh, there still will be singing of praise to God. Number seven, God will still pour out blessings upon his people. Number eight, there, there will still be room at the cross. <laughs> uh, number nine, Jesus will still love you. <laughs> if, you had that, if you were in question. And uh, number ten, Jesus will still save the lost when they come to him. Isn't it great to know who is really in control? <laughs> Amen. All right. So, uh, for those of you that are um, uh, prophecy fanatics, and uh, you've heard every prophet's prophecy concerning the upcoming election, and there are a lot of them, and you've gone through all of them and read them over and analyzed them, and and now you're confused. (laughs) Listen. Guys, there are real prophets. I'm not doubting that at all. And I believe that, that the Lord has spoken clearly on what's going to happen. And I'm not, I don't, you know, I, I'm believing for it. I mean, what are you going to do beyond that? I voted. Okay, so I guess it is what it is, right, at this point? So, but, but the reality is we still have peace within us. And so we need to keep that in mind and, uh, and realize that even if The world, America, fell apart. Let's just hypothetically say that um, because that's a hypothesis at this point anyway. America fell to pieces. You know, the early church thrived in the midst of, they didn't have what we have. They were under Rome. I mean, you want to talk about not being able to vote, you know, and all the bad things that were going on. I mean, for being a Christian, you could just go get eaten by lions, you know. You and your whole family, not just you, you know, unless you chose to hide your family somewhere, if you could. And so that's something to be aware of, I mean, really in the grand scope of things, and in the midst of all of these things that took on, as far as persecution that went on in the early church, Paul said, you know, nothing, none of this stuff is to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed. Now, how do you get a perspective like that? You better have a revelation of who's in you. Um, so uh, I'm thankful for where we're at, and I believe God's going to give us more time because he wants the gospel to go out. Amen? And, uh, and I know he's, he, how many know his judgments are perfect? He never misses it. He never does. He hits the nail perfect every single time. And I'm so grateful I'm not in his position. Uh, I mean, imagine for a second, just think about the immensity of God. That he is able to 
balance between having mercy, knowing when something needs to be adjusted, seeing the future on everything, knowing each individual person, and able to know who and, and how and to direct and to lead and to give evidence of himself to people until the very last second so that they'll repent. <laughs> Sometimes I, I don't think we think about this. Because most of us are like, oh, man, I forgot to do like three things on my list today. And God's managing all of it. And he's outside of time. So he already sees the end. And there are almost 8 billion people, <laughs> yeah, I got you, Herb, uh, on the planet. <laughs> and ticking. I mean, it's, seven billion, it's closer to 8 billion than it is to 7. And it's ticking. And he has a plan for each and every one. Whoo! He's powerful. Yeah, his nature is so immense that we have nothing to fear. Um, because we have him on our side, and how many are grateful for that? Amen. All right, so is there anybody that didn't get kind of an, an overview sheet of Philippians that wanted one? Oh, Lord, I hope we have enough. Herb, you may have to go make some copies up there. I think there are four here. So you want to raise your hand again, Herb will get... All but one, if you. <laughs> uh, those of you that are joining us online, please be patient. <laughs> All right. Amen. Well, let's, uh, let's do this. Let's pray. Actually, I'm just going to read through and then we'll pray. Starting in verse 1. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ to all the saints in, in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine making request for you all with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. You all are partakers with me of grace, for God is my witness how greatly I long for you with the affection of Jesus Christ. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense until the day of, day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which have happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear." Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, you are our teacher. We yield to you. We thank you for utterance from your word. Lord, I thank you that your word is anointed and that it, the truth sets us free. I thank you, Father, that as we hear your words, that Holy Spirit, you are transforming the way we think, that our thinking is coming into line with the resurrection that is within us and that our actions are empowered that we are empowered to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. 
We thank you, Father, that you are moving, you are faithful, and you are good and merciful to us. We're so grateful for the precious blood of Jesus that is forever effective in keeping us clean, that we are children of yours walking in the light as you are in the light, and we're continually cleansed by your goodness and by your redemption. We bless you and honor you and believe you for good things tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let's go to verse 14, and we'll start there. We talked about this, uh, this is where we left off, I believe, last week. But Paul says this, and you, you guys have seen, we've talked about the background of this book, and I'm not going to go into that because I'd like to get past two verses tonight. So, and most, verse 14, it says this, and most of the brethren, having become confident, confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So we know Paul was in prison. And we know that what took place in this is that people actually became, who were afraid to preach before, became bold to preach now. Now, I think this is kind of interesting because it's actually happened with this whole COVID thing. Uh, what, what the, what the, uh, I think what the, the spirit of Antichrist designed to happen is having a reverse effect uh, among the church as far as the fear factor because they realize, wait a minute, these people, the fear of losing their freedom, I think, became greater than the fear of speaking up. And so there was a boldness that was imparted and a strength that was imparted um, in, in some in the church, preachers specifically or ministers, some in the church in seeing Paul be put in prison for what they know to be the gospel that changed their lives. And so I find this kind of interesting, of course, being confident, confidence just simply means to obey or to trust, it means to be persuaded. That's where you're, have you ever had confidence on something? It means you're persuaded, you can do it. You're persuaded, there's a, there's a level of faith there. When leaders in the body of Christ suffer for the cause of Christ, it stirs boldness in the rest of the body to proclaim Christ more and more. God is looking for leaders who are willing to suffer, really believers in general, who are willing to suffer for the cause of Christ. It emboldens the rest of the body. I feel like this is an important truth, and I just discussed this, as where we are right now in America, because the gospel is the most important thing. Do you realize that we talk about quite a bit why, why Americans do, why they love their freedom, but the reason why we have our freedom is so the gospel can go forth peacefully? That's the main reason. The main reason isn't just so you can go hunting or fishing or skiing or golfing. or Those are great things that we should be able to do. And there's, no, there's nothing wrong with those things at all. But that's not the reason why you're free. The reason why you're free is so the gospel, the kingdom can be advanced. That's why you're free. And it's primarily there, it's primarily in that place that, that everything else can function as it should. So everything that God gives us, because we know the scripture says what? He gives us richly all things to what? Enjoy, right? So he's rich in giving us things to enjoy. But if his kingdom is not first, do you know you can't even enjoy what you think you enjoy? It's true. There are people that are billionaires that are in their house depressed. And they have something that God has provided in wealth that they've, put, they've, they've brought to themselves, built themselves, whatever, they, whatever you want to say, they, the money has come to them. But they have no peace and joy. Why? Kingdom's not first. You've got to have the kingdom first. And then everything else falls into place. And so 
We need that freedom that we have. It's important to stand up for it. But our, our driving force behind freedom should not be, well, I don't want to lose you know, my Second Amendment rights. Those are important. But the driving force of freedom is the gospel of Jesus Christ. If, if, you did, if you went and did a study through the years on how much gospel has come out of the United States of America, you would rejoice because what we've done is sown seed into all the world and we will harvest. We will. You cannot sow a seed and not have a harvest. We will harvest. We saw here also that when the enemy put Paul in prison, his intention was to stop the spread of the gospel and to intimidate others from preaching. But the opposite took place. It actually put Paul in a position to turn his captors into converts and stir fearful preachers into bold ministers of truth. Other ministers are looking at Paul and receiving confidence to preach the word. When Paul was first put in prison, they were concerned for their own safety and were afraid to preach. They did not want to be known as ministers of the gospel. But as Paul stays in prison year after year and remains bold to preach and write, their fear is changed to courage. Paul's boldness to witness to his guards causes many other ministers to rise up in boldness and preach the word without fear of what men and governments might do to them. I like that point and governments might do to them. Thus, Paul's prison term is used by the Lord to, fu- to further the gospel by turn- turning timid preachers into bold ones. Or in other words, that what they did is they arrested the light and invited it into their darkness. And guess what? Light always expels darkness. <laughs> so even in your darkest hour, if you just keep the light turned on, you'll be fine. <laughs> You say, well, this is so, you know, somebody hears your circumstances, although it's so dark. It's okay, we have a flashlight inside. (laughs) I know exactly where I'm going. In the natural, it could look perfectly black. But you're not led by external, you're led by internal. I'm led from within. This is where I make my decisions from the Spirit of God within me and the entrance of His words gives light there is every answer for your children through the spirit of wisdom and revelation people say well i tried it Hmm? we don't try around here we do (laughs) you know like somebody said try harder in other words take the amount of time necessary to wait on the lord until you see well, I got all these things to do. Well, what do you want? Do you want the knowledge from the Lord? Or do you just want to get your things done? Because I want the knowledge from the Lord. How about you? Amen? How many of you ever, ever, like Joyce Meyer, I heard her say this years ago, I finally got sick and tired of being sick and tired. Right? If you get tired of being sick and tired, you'll do something eventually. And as Christians that do something is seek the Lord. You may have to just put a a towel or something over your TV, you know, uh, take the Facebook app off your phone, uh, you know, shut everything else out and just open up your Bible and wait on the Lord. 
and give him time, and he'll give you an answer, amen? So in this case, we see that those who were ashamed of Paul and of the gospel actually became bold. They became bold to do what they were supposed to do and speak the word of God without fear. And we looked at this last week, and I really didn't make this point like I should have, so I wanted to make it uh, uh, tonight again along the same lines. You will always have those who will be intimidated to follow uh, the crowd, and usually the majority will follow the crowd. You're always going to have those that allow fear to rule them. And most people will follow the crowd. So let's look at an example of someone who ministered and stood with Paul when it was unpopular. 2 Timothy 1.16 says this, The Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus. How many know you're glad that's not your name? For he often refreshed me. Can you imagine that in class? Anna is, is, is Anna, uh, are you here? <laughs> Onesiphorus. He said, Paul says this, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. Do you know there's a Pentecostals that are ashamed of being Pentecostal? Because of the connotation that's been spread around the church about Pentecostals. And some of it's deserved. Some of them have earned the reputation. <laughs> but you know what? There are people that are ashamed. They're, they pray in, whole, in, in other tongues, and they're afraid. They're ashamed. That's not a good thing to carry on, okay, inside of you. It just isn't. Verse 17, but when he arrived in Rome, he sought me out very zealously and found me. The Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day. And you know very well how many times, how many ways he ministered to me at at Ephesus. Now, I don't know if there's a lot more about Onesiphorus, but he made the scriptures for being what? Someone who sought out Paul to minister to him and to refresh him, being unashamed of Paul's chain. You say, unashamed? Why unashamed? Onesiphorus is a great example to us on how we should support those who are willing to step out in front and declare truth when it is unpopular. Not only among Christians, but non-Christians as well. If it's truth, we should support that truth. It doesn't mean we have to agree with everything in their lifestyles, but if it's truth, even if it's unpopular, how many know it's easy And the statement says, any dead fish can float downstream. It takes faith to swim up. It takes strength to swim upstream. And so for the most part, people, believers, have had the strength and the the boldness of the Lord sucked out of them, actually lied out of them, because they believe a lie about themselves or about God. That they have a spirit of fear when they don't. They have a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. So he says this, and, and he goes on, and we see here with Onesiphorus. Onesiphorus was a man who did not just allow the crowd to, to dictate to him, but apparently had a close relationship with the Lord and heard the Holy Spirit tell him to travel to Rome and refresh Paul. Do you know what the word refresh means? To cool off, to relieve, to cool off from the heat, and to take relaxation. So what did Onesiphorus do? All he did was go and just relieve Paul of of the pressure that was on him. Whatever was needed, that's what he did. And you see in here that he was unashamed of his chain. 
Apparently, there were many Christians who who did not see Paul's imprisonment the way that God intended it. They were afraid or ashamed of what Paul had done. They were probably Christians who said things like, doesn't Paul know that what kind of danger he is putting the church in by saying and doing these things? Does that sound familiar? When the proper Christian attitude should have been that we are called to suffer for the gospel of Christ as Paul did. If your faith doesn't cost you anything. Now people say, no, we're saved by grace through faith. You just preached it, Sean. I can't do anything. You're right. You can't do anything to earn your salvation. But you can do something to demonstrate it. Are you saying I have to, you know, people are afraid to put, you know, simple things on their social media because their friends might see it. Here you have a world that is bold with sin and a church at times that's afraid. And I'm not talking about just standing up to pick a fight. I'm talking about standing up with the motivation of the salvation of the person that wants to murder you. Because that's the gospel. The gospel isn't just about, you know, in the sense of fighting for truth, just for the sake of fighting for truth. The truth that we're fighting for is that every man or woman is made in the image and likeness of God and has been redeemed by the blood and body of Jesus Christ. And we need them to see that so that they can be saved. Fear goes out the door about these things when you love the salvation of the other person more than you do your own comfort. You'll do what you normally wouldn't do when you realize who's in you. You'll do what doesn't come naturally but does come, has come spiritually and be bold when you realize who lives in you and what he's given you to be a light and a witness for him. Because what happens when his nature moves in? You all of a sudden have a nature within you that is what? Willing to die for the salvation of someone else. I know, it's a, it's a thought, isn't it? But it's repeated through the scriptures over and over and over again. Now most of us here... I, probably say maybe all of us, I don't want to go too far, but I would guess 99.9% of us are not going to be a martyr for the gospel. Probably not. Chances of martyrdom right now in America are much slim, much more slim than they are in other parts of the world. Right now, people are being martyred all over the world. I mean, it's been going on for a long time. The news doesn't report it, but you have to get the Voice of the Martyrs magazine to, to see it or their email. But it's going on all over. It's going on all over. And these are people that are willing to die. Why? There's something about, and, and I'm working on this in my own life. There's something about even the old timers, kind of, so to speak, of, of the faith and Christians. They understood eternity more than we do. They had more of a revelation of what is just really so close you could almost you know it's razor thin the curtain between here and there to the point 
that they weren't more concerned with their physical. They were more aware of their spirit, them, and the spirit of God within them. And that's something you have to develop because you have to have your mind what? Renewed, right? It's got to be transformed. But when you understand eternal perspective and you have God's perspective on love for people and it begins to grow and to develop in you, this isn't something that just happens overnight. This is something that happens over a period of time. Now, it doesn't need to take forever either. You understand what I'm saying? But you can develop in it and develop in it and develop in it and develop in it until that seed, that seed, that knowing, that resurrection within you and the nature of God within you dominates your thinking. To where I don't just look at people from the natural. I'm not obsessed with flesh and blood. I don't make judgments just based on external things. But I realize there's a motivation within me that is the love of God that has their eternity in mind. Because who has their eternity in mind? God. Now watch. If you hear this and you get under condemnation, you need to adjust your thinking and get into closer fellowship. Because you don't get close to God and think more about yourself. Amen, Sean, go ahead. Preach. Believe I will. Thank you. David encouraged himself in the Lord, so I figure I can do it. <laughs> Come on, how many, how many of that challenges you? If I'm closer to God, I should not, when I get close to him, and, and you understand what I mean by that, I have more understanding and, and fellowship, intimacy with him than I did before, not that I have a greater level of salvation, I just have a greater understanding of what I already have, but as I get close to him, I don't sit around and think more about me. Do you know why God's not miserable? Because he doesn't sit around and think about what everybody else should be doing for him all the time. But yet the American gospel says, it's all about me. Let me ask you something. And this is not a, I'm going to use this, the title of this, and there's lots of different books. But I'm going to use the title of this not because I don't like the minister, but I think it will register home better if I do. What if your best life now is that you're martyred at 35? Some of you are like, I'm past 35. <laughs> I'd like to challenge you with something. How many remember Rachel Scott? Some of you do. Remember Columbine? The shooting at Columbine? Rachel Scott was one of the ones martyred. Read her book, Rachel's Tears. Read it. She knew she was not going to get married or ever have kids. She knew she was going to die. She knew she was going to die for the Lord. This is, it's, read the book. In her journal, there was a rose with 13 tears coming off it. Do you realize that in Columbine, one teacher and 12 students were killed? You, <laughs> go read it. 
I mean, I read the book and I'm like, and, and it, you can watch the movie too. I think they have a movie, don't they? Yeah, you can watch that, but read the book. It's powerful. It'll floor you. It'll floor you. But her number one motivation was people knowing the Lord. And she would pray these prayers, Lord, whatever it takes for people to know you. And she would pray them over and over and over again. And she had such a, just a deep sense in her and desire to see God move and to save people. Because she, she saw the hurt around her. And it bothered her justifiably because she had the Lord in her. But go read the book. You'll see it. But I, I do. I sense there is this. And I'm not saying, what I, I'm not trying, I, I'm not prophesying to you that, that there's going to be a whole bunch of martyrdom all of a sudden in America. What I, am, what I do know is that the Lord is going to give us another window of opportunity of freedom. And we better not waste it. We better use it. That's what I sense more than anything. Like a, um, I was telling Heidi about this and then also our prayer group on Tuesdays. Just a sense within me that, all right, it's like the Lord saying, I'm going to give you another opportunity. Don't use it for just carnal stuff. In other words, don't use the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ as an opportunity for just the flesh. Because we're about to see phenomenal deliverances. Don't, don't listen to the world. Don't listen to the news media. And don't listen to the unbelieving believers. I know that sounds weird. But the unbelieving believers. There will be harvest out of every, out of the LGBTQ community like it's going to happen. God will move on them. Because some of them are ignorant. They, I can hear Jesus I can hear him saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Because they've been raised and trained in something. I I can hear it. I can hear him say it. So verse 15. There's some good utterance there. Watch this. Paul goes from, hey, there's preachers that have been emboldened to, and some preach Christ even of envy and strife. Now, isn't this a blessing for the guy that's in prison? Isn't that great? Gets back to him. Yeah, there's people preaching, Paul, just because you're in prison. They're preaching from what motivation? Envy and strife. Does that seem weird to you? They're preaching Jesus from envy and strife. And he says, and some, and also from goodwill. So they preach Christ from envy and strife. Envy is jealousy. Envy is, this, is a feeling of displeasure produced by witnessing or hearing the advantage or prosperity of others. Strife means contention or wrangling. Preaching Jesus in competition with somebody who is imprisoned for preaching Christ. <laughs> Does that sound weird to you? I wrote that out and I'm like, I kind of laughed. They're preaching from strife. They're preaching Jesus in competition with someone who is in prison for preaching Jesus. It doesn't make sense. 
but they're doing it. It is a curious thought to me that you could preach Christ from a motivation of jealousy or contention, but this is the nature of the flesh. Trying to advance the kingdom of God through this motivation will always lead to failure in the call of the preacher. Even if they see results in their ministry, watch this, God will not shorten his hand to the people who respond to the gospel even though the heart of the minister is not right. Isn't that interesting? How many have been through a few preacher scandals in your life? And yet there are probably thousands of people under, those scan- under the scandals of those ministries that are genuinely born again, spirit-filled, and have their lives turned around by the Lord. Why? Because God's not just looking at the preacher. He's looking at the people. The gift will function even if the heart is not right. Now that can be really tricky. This is something I've had to really uh, be aware of because I can function under the anointing and still live in in a place of non-character. Isn't that interesting? Because why? Because God put the gift within. Now eventually, the lack of character in any minister will become public and they will be held accountable for what they do. But the gift will still function and you wouldn't even know that the preacher had something going on behind the scenes until the Lord chooses to reveal it if they don't repent. And yet, you could sit in the service under the minister and go feel like you know heaven was open but it had nothing to do with the preacher this is what's interesting about this too because even as a minister people can do this they can be functioning in a gift and yet the the character issues aren't right and they they're they're uh you can be uh Uh, emboldened or feel like you're ratified in what you're doing or that it's right because of the results you see. Thinking they're the byproduct of you when they're not. They're the byproduct of the gift. You find this stuff out in your prayer closet. Because the Lord goes, Sean, and I, uh, yes. (laughs) Uh, yeah. He said, you are not going to do that anymore. Right. It's interesting, isn't it? But it's the reality. It's reality. The devil is good. He knows how to look for cracks. I'm not saying he's good in character. I'm saying he's good at his evil job. He knows how to find cracks in the system. And I've watched it happen over and over. I don't... I'm not going to share that. But so, but he knows, he, he can see weaknesses, small foxes. And he knows. So that's why... What? I need to be aware. We all need to be aware of... I don't, okay, so let's go away from preachers. Husbands, wives, business owners. He sees what you do with the numbers, business owners. He sees what you do with the time, on the time card. He knows. 
He knows. Now, is he in heaven going, I'm going to kill them all? No. But he recognizes what's going on. And he doesn't correct because he wants to embarrass. He corrects because he knows if you let that thing go, the devil has an open door and he'll get in and he'll spoil that vine. Amen? All right. Still a two-verse guy. Okay. So <laughs> we'll get through Philippians next year by this time. As long as we don't quit through the summer. All right. So, <laughs> all right. Goodwill means kindness. So some are preaching from goodwill. They are preaching out of love for the people and the truth. They are preaching from the motivation of God's heart. They are ministering with an understanding of Paul's call and the advancement of a kingdom, not a personal ministry. People like this understand the heart of God. They love God first. People like this will also see the success of the ministry that God has placed within them. Why? Because they have God in mind first. They're not thinking about themselves first. They're thinking about God first. They're recognizing. They're not looking at Paul going, oh, finally, he's in prison. Now I can be the preacher that I know I'm supposed to be. They're thinking in terms of the love of God, the nature of God that is within me, recognizes by the Holy Spirit because my motivation is right. I recognize the mantle upon Paul to further the gospel, that this is about the advancement of the kingdom, not about the advancement or the manifestation of my personal desire that I think the Lord has given me. They understand the importance of military formation. They fall into rank and don't move. Even if they look, you know, in the military, how well does it work for the military to look at the, for, for uh, the private first class to look at the general and go, I want his position. And, and this is our current culture, by the way. And I should have it. Why? I just know that's mine. Well, prove yourself. I don't have to prove myself. You should have been spanked more. <laughs> All right, so. Now, if you're in the military, that won't fly very well. But, okay, so. What does this mean? Recognize your call and your place. Recognize your motivation. And recognize the call of others. And you'll remain in goodwill. Well, I don't think they should do this, this, and this. Well, let's line up what everybody else thinks about what you think, what they think you should do or not do. This is never ending, you guys, you realize this. If the devil cannot divide up by just, by just uh, trying to come in and wreck things or trying to get people off doctrine and stuff, he'll get you to nitpick and fight each other and gripe about each other when nobody else is around. I've watched it eat things up. I've watched it. You know, you get into a conversation way too much about the faults of someone else. And you're convinced you know how to fix it. I'm the only one. <laughs> Somebody said, yep. <laughs> I appreciate a good fight. <laughs> In other words, what? 
When you're preaching from goodwill and you're advancing the kingdom from goodwill, you're not nitpicking little things. You're loving your brother and sister in Christ and believing the best of them. Even when you see things you know are wrong. How many of you know it doesn't take a genius to find a fault? It takes a genius to, to fix it. It takes an anointing. Amen? The former preached Christ from selfish ambi- ambition, verse 16. Not sincerely, supposing to add afflictions to my chains. Selfish ambition it means courting distinction, a desire to put oneself forward, a partisan and factious spirit which does not disdain low arts, partisanship or factiousness. And they're supposing to add affliction. So they're preaching from the motivation of desiring to add more pain to the pain that, Paul's, that Paul is already experiencing in prison. That's kind of low, don't you think? But it's the nature of the flesh and the spirit of Antichrist. An unhealthy attitude in a minister or a person will produce a desire for self-promotion, which is followed by wanting to add affliction to other ministers or people. You cannot preach Christ sincerely from a motivation of personal promotion. The love of God in our hearts would never lead us to kick a brother while in tribulation. It would not lead us to add pain to an already painful situation. This could be a person who wants to have as big a ministry as Paul. They are jealous of his ministry and hope to become bigger while he's in prison. Someone like this might say, finally, Paul is out of the way. Now I can have the audience that I want and my ministry can grow. Not if you're not called to it. And do you really want the anointing that Paul has? Because look where it got him. See, people like this don't think right. They're not thinking straight. When you're thinking straight, you're assessing not only yourself correctly, but the situation correctly. Why? Because you're in full submission to God. And how many know God reveals it to you just as it is? How many know God is not in blowing smoke? You know <laughs> You know, at least he doesn't with me. Maybe you know, I'd question your, the spirit you're hearing, but uh, <laughs> and people say, well, God never corrects me. Uh, really? Then you're an illegitimate child because that's what the scripture says. The Bible tells me that when I get whooped, it's because my dad loves me. And I know he loves me because he whoops me. Say, how do you know this? Because I've been whooped. Yeah, not only by the Lord, but by my parents. Yes, praise the Lord. <laughs> okay, last, last, last part here. <laughs> I probably should have got, my dad said when I got older, and I think he didn't do it when I got older because I was bigger than him. But, he said, I think I should have spanked you more. Probably right. Looking back, Dad, I think you're right, but it's too late, so. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. You know, <laughs> I'm safe. <laughs> Some are using their pulpit to, this is Bob Yandian's commentary on this, this statement, or this verse. Some are using their pulpit to add insult to injury in Paul's life. They not only want Paul to stay in prison, but for him to be miserable too. They do not want him to experience joy while there. 
They have supposed falsely that while they are preaching in contention, Paul is being hurt by their words, but they are wrong and fooling themselves. The Greek word contention comes from the root word meaning someone who is a hired laborer. These people are preaching the gospel mainly for money. Paul's message of grace and his success have become a threat to them. These men are out, of the, out to build their ministry on the destruction of another. Their motivation is hatred and jealousy toward the success of Paul and it has, uh, toward the su- success that Paul has achieved despite his circumstances. How many know you can have success despite your circumstances? If you got God on your side, you're in a good place. Paul may have been in prison bodily in Rome, but these ministers were in prison in their souls. How many of you have ever noticed somebody you think, you, you, you've been around or you know of a situation or maybe it was you and you got some bitterness inside of you about that person and you watch them smile and be happy and inside you're going, Rrr, and you don't realize you're the one that's mad and they're still happy. Come on, like water off a duck's back. Let it go and go on. Amen. We'll we'll quit with this. But the latter out of love, Paul says, verse 17, knowing, understanding that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel, people preaching. And we'll pick up there in two Wednesdays because Reverend Rick Lobble is preaching next Wednesday. So you got to tune yourself up for that one. (laughs) Should I throw an extra song in or... I'm teasing. He'll do great. It's going to be good. Why don't you stand with me? We'll pray. Hallelujah. Bring your own music. We have a worship leader, you know. (laughs) Hallelujah. Well, did you learn anything? So here's the bigger thing. Apply what you learn. Now listen, don't go, it's like people think, you know, I got to go confess to everybody I'm mad at. No, you don't. Just talk to the Lord about it and deal with it and get over it. Let the Lord clean it out of you and stop talking about it. Listen to me. My God, stop talking about it. You're keeping keeping it alive the more you talk about it. You feed it. You nurse it. You give it life. Well, you don't know what they did. No, it doesn't matter what they did. What matters is that you function within the resurrection within you to forgive at the level that has been demonstrated to you. And that you've been empowered to forgive with. All right, let's do this. We need to say this. Say this with me. Say, I choose to forgive. I will not live in bitterness. Let's do this. Because I have the power by the grace of God to live free. There, that'll help you because it puts, takes pressure off of you. Now, every time a thought comes, every time you think, well, I've got to make sure this happens. No, you don't. If you're in faith, you don't have to make sure anything happens. If you're in faith, God will move. And, and it, besides this, promotion doesn't come from the north, the south, the east, or the west. Where does it come from? The Lord So even if I did promote myself, it wouldn't last because the Lord's not undergirded it. 
But if I just leave it to him and let him deal with me and we fellowship together and he grows me up and he and I know, I mean, you may know you have a call on. You may know you have certain things in your life that you're supposed to do, whether it be in business or other areas, whatever the case may be, whatever it is, if you allow the Lord to do it, the devil can't take it out. But if you build the foundation, if you build on your life with wood, hay, and stubble, it will burn up. I guarantee it. And people say, yeah, but the gift works. The gift will work no matter what. Your gift may take you before great men, but what? Your character will hold you there. Because the more the Lord promotes, the higher he takes you, the greater the temptations are from the enemy to distract. I mean, you got to know this, especially especially if you're going to be that rich, right? You know what I'm saying too, right? For you and Mike, you better know. I'm prophesying. Because the character issue is the issue. Money has an intoxicating effect. Money will talk to you. You know how much money I make. Well, compared to God, (laughs) not much. Because we have nothing without him. Guys, listen. And this is, not, this is not just me trying to be humble. I can do nothing without him. And I've proven it. How about you? <laughs> I have proven I can screw things up in a heartbeat. But with him and in his grace, there's nothing impossible. If we keep our heads straight and the enemy out. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.